Hello, my friends. This is the podcast that brings a wealth of knowledge, expertise, and fun of Twins Smoke Shop, New England's premier smoke shop, right to you, wherever you are, whenever you want it. And that's Not Just Blowing Smoke. You can find us at our website, notjustblowingsmoke.com, and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Not Just Blowing Smoke. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Not Just Blowing Smoke, coming at you live from Twin Smoke Shop Studio Headquarters in sunny, well, not really, Oxford, New Hampshire. And be sure to subscribe to us where you're watching, whether it's Facebook or YouTube. And if you are listening after the fact on Podbean, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, Google, or wherever else you may have found this podcast, make sure you hit the subscribe button so that you don't ever miss a thing. My name is Pastor Padrone. I'm here with my hosts, Pat and Dave. Shell is not with us tonight. He had to... Well, he had to be a tobacconist <laughs> because uh, one of our guys is on vacation, so he's filling in for him. And um, I miss Shell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't. I no, miss Shell. You don't. You you like Shell. being in the center chair, don't you? No. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. I don't like being back next to both of you guys at the same time. I don't like that at it's, all. It's all right. Pat. I want Dave to go back in the picture. We'll make, <laughs> we'll make it real oh. easy for you, Pat. Okay. Don't touch me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, look, July is 724 month at Twins. And that's because July 24th is a, a day where we celebrate 724, 724 on 724. And that's going to be celebrated actually a little bit earlier. It's a Sunday this year. So we decided to celebrate 724 day on Friday the 22nd. So you get two numbers anyway. Mm. You get two. It's not bad. It's not bad. Like the song says, two out of three ain't bad. Yeah, plus you know? we open a little bit later on Fridays. So yep, we'll open a little bit later. Longer. There'll be people, you know, it's much. if you want to get a crowd of people in there, Friday's always a better day than, you know, a Sunday afternoon when everyone's coming back, really, from whatever it is they're doing over the weekend. And, you know, for the last couple of years, building up to that, day 724 day we have focused uh the month of july on 724 cigars and this year we are starting off with something very special this is not your run-of-the-mill 724 cigar this is the 724 club humidor cigars cars and cycle cigar this was a limited edition cigar that Kurt had blended for Club Humidor, which is a shop down in Texas. It was a limited-run thing. Uh, I believe he made 500 10-count boxes of the cigars, 450 of which went to Club Humidor. Am I remembering right? Was it? That's, that's yeah. correct, yeah. And we kept 50. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they knew that we kept 50, and if you didn't, I'm sorry. But it's true. And um, they're already almost gone. It's, uh, you know, one of the fastest moving limited releases that we've had. 
uh, let alone uh, 724s that we've had. And uh, if you haven't had one yet, too bad. You need to you need to try and hook you yourself up with somebody who's got one of these. Yeah. Uh, this is a very special cigar um, for a couple of reasons. It was Kurt Kendall's first Honduran Puro. It's also mm. his first box pressed released cigar. Uh, and it's exciting for those two things. Uh, the wrapper binder filler, other than being Honduran, are all undisclosed. And it's a Toro at six by. Is it a six by fifty-four or six by fifty-two? Fifty-two. Fifty-two. Press, yeah. yeah, it's a it's a fifty-two box press, and um, very very nice soft box press cigar. It's got the now fifty-four uh, by six and a quarter. Fifty-four Grand by Toro. six and a quarter. Yeah. Okay. There you go. So a six and a quarter by fifty-four box press. And uh, it's got the secondary band on it that says Cigars, Cars, and Cycles. Mm -hmm. um, first thoughts on this cigar as we're laying it up. Mm. Creamy. I think it's interesting because I've smoked it, I want to say, four or five times. Mm -hmm. And I didn't do those like kind of back-to-back. -back. Um, mm -hmm. Kurt was giving them to us when they first came in, which I'd say is probably about, like, what, three weeks now? Yeah. And then I'd say probably about each week I've smoked one. And each time I've had it, it's changed, which means, obviously, the aging potential. Because it hasn't changed for the you know worse. I think just as right. they're kind of sitting in the box and being in the humidor, it's kind of opening up a lot more flavors. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first time I smoked it, it, it was very mild until mm -hmm. maybe late second, third, then a little bit of that, like, Honduran spice kicked in. Mm -hmm. But, you know, each time I've had it from that point, that kind of spice note has been kind of put forward in the cigar so i think as it's been resting it's been kind of like kind of you know marrying the flavors and right now i'm getting it's a very creamy yes. smoke it has a really nice kind of robust cedar note to it mm -hmm. has a little bit of hay and then the finish has kind of like i want to call it like a candy coating sweetness mm -hmm. and it's kind of like marrying those flavors together i haven't touched the tequila yet just because i kind of wanted the cigar to kind of just get the, the the cigar down before I introduce with the tequila. But, it's almost like an orange kind of candy. Mm. Yeah, but it has like that candy sweetness. Yeah, to it though, you know what I mean. It's, like it's, it's got nice sweetness, but it's got a citrusy, like an orange citrus kind of flavor to it. And I want to say it's like it was kind of like a nutmeg kind of baker dough mm -hmm. kind of flavor spice. in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's some really decent spice in the retrohale. Yeah, that's that's. And I'm getting a well. lot of it on the tongue, on the finish too. It's really kind of. Uh, this is this is a fantastic cigar. Personally, I think this is one of my favorites that Kurt has put out. Yeah, this is the 113. Yeah, which is funny. Another cigar that he made for Club Human. Yeah, but um, it's like it has like that a really intense white spice to it mm -hmm. but since it's a white spice it's not taking away anything from the profile it's just kind of like that like stimulating kind of note that white palate. spice kind of goes with that citrusy creamy yeah. sweet you know it's it's you've got this spicy sweet uh thing going on i definitely agree with the whole citrus i mean citrus the uh cedar it's a very creamy cedary spicy cigar with a nice i like the word you said candy kind of sweetness and i would say it's like an orange kind of candy kind of sweetness 
Mm-hmm. Um, what would you agree with that, Dave? Yeah, or I, would, get I would agree else? with that, and I, I think this is like a it's like a perfect pairing of a cigar to have in the morning with a cup of coffee. Mm. It's a perfect pairing to have at the end of the night with some tequila. You know, it it's this is like an all around cigar too. You know, mm-hmm. it's got it's a multi purpose tool. It's really good. Really. Well, I'm gonna have a sip of really the tequila good. here, and see how it goes mm-hmm. with that. Mm. That's so smooth. Tequila. Wow, I think the tequila really brings out some of those woody cedar notes in the cigar. It yep. puts a little bit of that candied sweetness more in the background. But the the honey notes and, and citrus notes of the tequila really kind of go with the cigar. I think it's a good bearing so far. Yeah, it brings out, it, it does kind of put that sweetness, I, I, I'd say it probably eliminates it. Mm-hmm. I think because like the tequila itself has like a really kind of nice honey sweetness to it. Yeah. So I think that's kind of overpowering the cigar sweetness and it brings forward like that. I call it like that kind of typical Honduran like earth cream because like mm. a lot of Honduran tobacco is like a very creamy earth. Right. And then it also adds kind of like a toasted kind of almond flavor to it as well mm. on the finish. Yeah. And there's a lot of, I, to me, it increased the spice in the retro ale, like the white pepper. Now, this isn't just any Padron tequila here. This is a barrel select that is only available at Twins yeah, at the uh, 724 Lounge. Uh, we have a number of uh, barrel select tequilas and bourbons. Um, I think this is our third or fourth tequila that we've had. Yeah, I mean, we not have, that we necessarily have all of those now. Herodora, Casamigos, goes on. Yep, four. Yep, four. Four tequilas. And this particular one is one that Kurt picked out himself and uh, is currently available there uh, at the 724 Lounge. And that's something else we're going to be featuring on the show this month. We're going to be pairing whatever we're smoking with barrel selects that are only available at the 724 Lounge. Oh, yeah. We'll say the tequila is just like a developing note here. If you drink the tequila and then you like, you know, have a draw from the cigar, mm-hmm. like late finish. So if you wait, I don't know, like 30 seconds to a minute, mm-hmm. if you kind of like click your tongue, move your mouth, that kind of candy sweetness is kind of there of the honey on your palate. Mm. So it kind of makes like what I would consider like a medium kind of bodied cigar to kind of like a medium plus finish just with mm. that tequila added to it. I do think the tequila ramps up the spice in the retro. Um, you were saying, Pat, that the last time you had the cigar, you basically had to call the fire department because your nose was on fire. Because I went into it with kind of like the expectation if, of if you how... you say that with a completely calm face, I, I would yeah. be calm if my nose were burning. Ah. Well, it, I thought it was a really mild cigar when I first smoked it. And that was, again, mm. right out of the box, like right out of the shipping boxes. You know, like it wasn't even on the shelf yet. It was just freshened from whatever like truck was delivering mm-hmm. it. And it was mild and then right. you know so i smoke it again with the expectation of how mild it was because everyone you know it was selling like hot cakes at twins and i'm mm-hmm. like oh, obviously i just didn't i didn't experience what everyone else is so i need to right. have it again and then i just go and i you know light it up i do the toast and everything i usually just do like kind of like palate 
puffs so I don't retrohale when I first light it. I like, let the cigar heat up a little bit, just kind of get like a feeling for the palate what I'm going to get. Mm -hmm. So finally, I'm like, all right, cedar, a little creamy. So I just take a full draw of it and then I retrohale the entire thing. And like, I mean, Shell was there. You can ask mm -hmm. Shell. Like, I was like tearing. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and then like a customer comes in and they're like, uh, what are you smoking? And I was like, I don't know. It's like love humidor. But yeah, it's w with the time it's been resting. It's, it's become, I would say, one of my favorite cigars, Kurt's done. Mm -hmm. And I like the size of it, the Grand Toro. Like mm -hmm. I like box press, but I don't like that aggressive kind of like sharp cornered box right, press. Right. This is a really soft press. I would kind of consider it. So it really feels good to hold. It feels good in your mouth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and I say that with the utmost respect. Um, and it's the construction on them. I think when you really like aggressively press something, mm -hmm. I think I've seen a lot of success and failure with that. But yeah. with these kind of soft presses, I've seen a lot more like consistency with the construction on the cigar. Um, to me, a kind of soft press just looks cosmetically better to me. Yeah, I would agree with that too, Dave. I aesthetically speaking i i prefer the soft box as opposed to a hard box press um they don't feel as good in the hand the hard ones yeah it's, it just feels i mean the more you smoke it and hold it the more that's going to kind of change mm -hmm. but you know this starts off nice i would say the exception to that would be the uh placentia 62 because that thing looks like it was molded you know, when you first pick it up, but then it, you know, it's just, that cigar is just such a joy. Yep. But yep. it's got the sharp angles. But not all the way up. It's like sharper at the foot than it is at the top. Yeah, it's probably like a 70% grade, I would say. I think, like, the, the hard example is, like, Drew Estate's, like, lounge edition box presses. Mm -hmm. Like, those are, like, literal squares. Like, there's yeah. no round on them. Yeah. And, like, the Liga ones, I enjoy. I like the traditional blend more. Because, mm -hmm. like, again, you, like, when you box press, you have to kind of compensate the fillers so you can do that box press. But mm -hmm. I think with these soft presses, they're usually more true to, like, what the initial blend was. Because I don't think there's much tweaking you have to do when it mm -hmm. comes to, like, a soft press. And, I mean, obviously, this is the only blend of this size obviously or right, size right. of this blend but if there were to be a toro mm -hmm. i would assume it would be a pretty consistent kind of jump between sizes because yeah. i don't think there's much changing you have to do of this size now you said something interesting a few minutes ago that I, i'd like to kind of follow up on and that was you know you, you had the cigar first and i i kind of got the impression that you know oh, it was good but nothing that you necessarily thought was special. And then you saw people continuing to go back and saw it flying off the shelves. And then uh, maybe I should try that again. I'm missing what other people are getting. Is that something you've had to do? Like is seeing other people enjoying a cigar that you really just thought was okay, or maybe didn't enjoy the first time. Is that something that happens with you? more than once i think it happens i wouldn't say it's often but you know i think when it comes to like typically when it does happen it's it's we get something new in and we usually smoke it before anyone else does because mm -hmm. even if it just hit the shelf you know we know it came in so we you know right. usually want to try it right and there has been times where and like in this case i've smoked it and 
I'm not going to say it wasn't a positive or a negative review. I think if like the first time I smoked this, I'm like, you know, if you're a mild cigar smoker, like, you know, a lot of, I think 724 smokers are, not that yeah. all of them are, but, you know, everything's blended to be able to kind of accommodate that mild bodied smoker, but also be able to be, you know, enjoyed by like the aficionado of the advanced palate. So I was like, this is kind of right up in the alley. It's, it's pretty mild. I, I like a really aggressive kind of like spice cigar. Like I don't want mm-hmm. the spice to be overbearing, but I like having that like stimulation when I'm smoking yeah. it and it didn't have it. So I was like, it's good, but for me, it's not something I'm going to reach to, mm-hmm. you know? And then everyone kept getting it and the boxes were flying out. <laughs> I'm like, well, we also haven't had a cigar like that's mild or whatever that's pushed this fast. I'm yeah. like, you know, I, it was a huge stack of boxes. The next every day, it would be a noticeable drop. And like, yeah. I was cashing out a bunch of them. And I'm like, I have to try it again because mm. clearly it's either it was just too new out of the box or my palate was messed. I'm like, clearly, like what I experienced wasn't truly what this cigar right. was because the, the feedback was much different. Mm. Has and that then, ever has that ever happened with you, Dave? Have you ever tried a cigar and were like, eh, and then you just see everybody going for it, and then you because of you see more people enjoying it, you decided to give the, the cigar a second chance. Yeah, that's happened to me with like the ash and white labels. Like mm-hmm. when I first time I smoked them, it was just like a creamy smoke, and that was it. That was all I got. And then, but I saw a lot of them, and I'm like, you know, maybe I should try and smoke it again. And as the years has gone by, I've been able to pick up more and more and more of like, you know, uh, a mild cigar has to offer. I think my the me torturing my palate with cigarettes is. <laughs> finally starting to wear out you know and i'm getting more of my palate back and I'm, I'm probably one day i might even attempt to try an atabay but i don't know i don't know the last time i tried that i was so disappointed because it was just like nothing i couldn't taste any you were talking about how it changed a couple times i couldn't mm-hmm. taste anything it was just smoke and i was so sad because i wanted to experience what the joy you were talking about yeah it was like the never-ending battle with me and like consumer feedback is the LFD and delusion bowl. Like mm-hmm. I, I've smoked it like the first time I had it. I'm like, eh. And then everyone, when we get them in, it's like it's like an opus call kind of thing. Like yeah. everyone wants a cigar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I, I always say like, I'll do it one more time. And I'm like, eh. it's every time I do it. I'm like, why do people like this cigar? And it's, it's a subjective thing. Like mm-hmm. it's, I see why people like it, but I'm like, I keep trying it because I'm like, I cannot believe I don't see what this appeal is you know i wish the cigar were smaller yeah you know it too that's the the andalusian bull is this <laughs> monstrous is this monstrous <laughs> cigar really and if you if you're taking your time smoking it and you're not power smoking it like like uh nick would mm-hmm. you'd smoke it in 20 minutes then you're going to be smoking this thing for like two hours maybe two and a half hours and to me that kind of it's very unlike other La Flor Dominicana cigars. It's a, it's very good. It's very well done. It's, but you're expecting spice. You're expecting bomb. You're expecting this powerhouse, and that you get this very floral, like minty, I got minty. A lot of mint. Yeah, you get the, you delicate. get all of these it delicate. Feel you like get, a bowl. You get mm-hmm. a you get a. It's a medium bodied cigar, at best really, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and. I, again, I understand why people like it, but two and a half hours of that for me, it's just too much. If it were half that size, I might be more tempted to get it every once in a while. But yeah, I, I agree, Pat. I, I I've tried that cigar several times over. Um, 
especially after it won the, the cigar of the year and um get it but it's just not for me mm. that's like um bobby the new tobacconist like mm -hmm. favorite cigar and it's like making me want to try it again because i'm like it's just the thing keeps coming back at me <laughs> yeah like, yeah I, i've sold her her last like four boxes <laughs> yeah it's, it's like a never-ending like whenever it comes in i always want to try it again because i'm like mm -hmm. i cannot believe i'm not like because when it comes to like limited cigars that everyone wants mm -hmm. that i'm right up that alley like i, I always yeah. end up seeing the value to it and, like why people like it but with the, like, that cigar i just i can't i don't know what it is now speaking of that i i uh got an email from a company what from prometheus today and they're advertising the humidors? limited limited release oh, yeah. humidors that are coming out in the fall and um one is a a god of fire release a special god of fire cigar and the retail value of that um humidor is I don't want to. I don't want to get it wrong. Hold on. Let me uh, open it up here. That's like the um the purple rain humidor as well. Well, right? the, the the purple rain humidor as well. And that, I I remember that one off the top of my head. It's a hundred cigars, ten of which are purple rains, and then there are ninety. You get ten of each. ten each of a bunch of rare Fuente yeah, cigars. Yeah, like the BBMFs. Oh, ones and the retail. The retail price for that humidor with the hundred cigars is eleven thousand dollars. Eleven thousand dollars, and um, the uh, let me uh, open up the let me just scroll along here. Here it is, boom, and let's see. Uh, where is it? Yeah, fifty-five hundred dollars for the for the Prometheus thirtieth anniversary mm -hmm. thing. Now, obviously, you're getting a humidor with those, you know, and, and it's very very nice limited edition humidor. But you know, people are buying those really to get the cigars that are in them, and so you know, my question is. You know, at at eleven hundred at at eleven thousand dollars for one hundred cigars, that's a hundred and ten bucks a piece, right? Mm -hmm. Is that worth it, or is this taking advantage of geekdom out there? This is like the answer to that is like what the answer is in law school most of the time and it's like an it depends kind of thing mm -hmm. like if you look at its face value i'd say no but knowing about that release and seeing like third-party market with those cigars mm -hmm. you can basically make your money back and get a free humidor out of it you know so is that what you would do if you were going to buy it you if buy i it? if i bought it it's because i want the cigars like but i think a lot of people kind of abuse that but mm -hmm. if i went and got it it, it would be for the cigars probably and then also i mean the, if you look at the humidor it's a really nice humidor you know like oh they are they're gorgeous and, no no ifs ands or buts so but i don't know if the cigar if the, i don't know if the let's let's say that let's say the cigars themselves are worth a thousand bucks is the humidor that you're going to get w worth 10 grand 
I think if it's the right person, because again, it's they they only I want to say they make two hundred, five hundred, maybe. Yeah, it's very it's very it's very limited. limited. They're all handmade. It's they it's, don't it's even like they don't even guarantee that you will get your order if you place it. <laughs> they actually say that. Yeah, it's very limited. <laughs> it's very limited. And I I think it's kind of like the Dupont thing. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously a Dupont's not cheap, but it's much cheaper than that humidor. But it's like yeah, it it. It does the same thing as a regular Bic, right? But you have like that kind of luxury thing. At like, least, at least with the Duponts, you can say, "Okay, this is gold. It's platinum. It's precious metal." That's I could I could turn around and you know sell for what it's never going to go down in price because I, I you're, you're basically buying. You're basically buying. I I never like seeing that stuff, and here's why. I I think one of the beautiful things about of being in a cigar lounge is it's the great equalizer. Mm-hmm. You meet people from all walks of life, all everywhere. And then something like that happens and 99% of the people that come in are not ever going to be able to afford to do something like that. And I just I just think it's just, you know. Well, is cigars a great equalizer because everybody can afford a cigar or is it it's the great equalizer in that you get to meet people who can afford a hundred dollar cigar and enjoy it with a guy who's enjoying a five dollar cigar and enjoy being with each other yeah like i see that humidor is like if you're but that's my point yeah but i i don't think you should be able, like people will lease things so it's like everyone can try so they want to you know like to me the core line opus that's what that is like mm-hmm. I, whatever people say i don't you know if you sell the core line opus at mslp it's a very feasible cigar to get and anyone can try it. It's, it's not some, like we just had Opus at twins the other day and it was a 14 and 16 MSRP. Yeah. And it's a really good cigar for that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's cheaper than a Placencia Forte. You know, it's, it's, it's not the most expensive thing there. And so it's very feasible. I think that if you're someone that really enjoys that line, that's why you kind of purchase it. And it's kind of, that's like a luxury item. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not just, I want to try a BBMF and and get one. No, like this is, it's, rewarding that kind of cult member i'm going to call it but it, it could be anyone but it's rewarding that every single cigar so it's 10 different cigars 100 of each it's a limited vitola and blend it's, it's not right. there's no core line anything in there right. and there's nothing in there that you can get outside of those humidors correct the only way you can get the, the cigars in those humidors is to get yeah. the humidors so I, I think it's a higher end you know kind of price but it's also for that die hard fan right who you know so that i think if you're one of those it's worth it like i want to get one at some point like I'm, no, no time soon but i, I definitely <laughs> yeah, but want see, that's my point you're like a, a diehard fan for opus but you're never going to be able to afford at this point or in the next like decade or so but if you're like, like a you diehard I mean? fan that's for opus I, I, like... I just think it's like it's like one of those things when the the cutter comes out and it's like studded with rubies and it's like freaking a half million dollars like come on really like there's like one percent of the population who can afford that, so like, you know, it's it just goes down to like it's just one of those things, you know. And it's if you're a diehard Opus fan, you're, you're you should just be fine with an Opus Robusto. That's like twenty bucks, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need that stuff, but it's nice to have, you know. But and and that's really the point, you know. And also, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the time people buy them and sell them, you know. So yeah. if you want to get one of those cigars, you could probably get one for like a hundred bucks, but. You know, it's it's definitely not for everyone, obviously. That's why it's such a limited production thing, because they, they they know they're not going to sell a thousand of them. Right, right. 
All right. Mm. Um, let's do a little change of topic here. Um, we all know that cigars since 2016 have been under the regulation of the FDA and um, the FDA has been trying to impose a bunch of rules and regulations on what can be sold, what can't be sold, who can it be sold to. Um, and uh, this has been in the courts um, ever since it came out in 2016. And today there was a major ruling uh, by the court on FDA regulation. And uh, I have here a um, email I got from uh, JC Newman Cigar Company, which is one of the companies that really uh, helps uh, fund the um, uh, legal battle of mm -hmm. the cigar industry against uh, the FDA. And uh, here's what it says. It says, the federal court holds FDA regulation of premium cigars to be, quote, arbitrary and capricious, unquote. Yes. Um, Love it. Regulation of premium cigars now on hold pending further argument on an appropriate remedy. And I'll read you their article, which I'm sure was a press release that was used everywhere. Um, this afternoon, Judge Emmett Met, uh, Meta of the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia issued an opinion concluding that, FD, that FDA acted arbitrarily and capriciously when it decided to regulate premium cigars in 2016. Specifically, he faulted FDA for failing to consider scientific evidence submitted by Cigar Rights of America regarding the moderate use and limited health effects of premium cigars. As a result of his ruling, FDA regulation of premium cigars is now on hold. Judge Mehta has directed the parties to file papers later this month on the appropriate remedy, which may including striking down the regulation of premium cigars in its entirety, or asking the FDA to reconsider it in light of evidence it overlooked. <coughs> hubba. Hubba hubba. Throughout his 19-page opinion, Judge Mehta held that FDA's decision to regulate premium cigars was not reasoned decision-making. He faulted FDA for its non-responsive and circular reasoning and waving away evidence of actual current usage patterns of premium cigars. He explained that FDA's final deeming rule obscures the real math about a study on youth usage of premium cigars, which is that 0.1% of all youth studied preferred premium cigars. Pat and Pat's briefs has talked about this before. Judge Meta concluded, quote, in the end, instead of addressing the relevant data before it, the agency resorted to a common refrain to obscure the issue. Quote, there were no data provided to support the premise that there are different patterns of use of premium cigars and that these patterns result in lower health risks, unquote. That statement was not accurate then. And despite litigation counsel's efforts, it is not accurate now. 
where, as here, an agency speaks in absolute terms that there is no evidence, it acts arbitrarily and capriciously when there is and capriciously when there is in fact pertinent record evidence, and the agency ignores or overlooks it. Uh, Drew Newman, general counsel and fourth generation owner of J.C. Newman Cigar Company, issued the following statement in response to today's decision. In 2016, FDA decided to regulate premium cigars and apply the same massive and costly regulatory scheme that was developed for cigarettes onto handcrafted premium cigars. For the last five years, we have been living in regulatory purgatory, knowing that not only scientific evidence does not support regulating premium cigars like cigarettes, but that complying with FDA regulation could crush America's historic premium cigar industry, which is largely comprised of small family-owned businesses. Congress gave FDA authority to regulate pipe tobacco to address youth access and addiction. For nearly a decade, we have presented evidence to FDA confirming that children do not smoke premium cigars, that adults enjoy premium cigars in moderation, and that the health effects of such moderate use is limited. Earlier this year, the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine issued a 520-page report on premium cigars and largely agreed with our analysis of the science. The National Academies analyzed the same studies that we shared with the FDA and concluded that the overall risk of premium cigars is quote-unquote modest. Today's decision is a landmark ruling that will shape America's premium cigar industry for generations. It's a vindication of the premium cigar industry's long and relentless campaign to show that there is not a scientific basis for regulating premium cigars like cigarettes. It is an incredible relief knowing that Judge Mehta has concluded that FDA acted arbitrarily and capriciously in ignoring clear evidence on the use and health effects of premium cigars. Although Judge Mehta's opinion did not go as far as striking down FDA regulation of premium cigars today, we are hopeful that he will do so later this year after the party submit arguments on the appropriate remedy and next steps later this month. Nice. Hallelujah. This is uh, good news for the cigar industry. Um, I'm interested, Pat, in your opinion as to whether or not maybe J.C. Newman was a little bit too happy with this opinion because he, you know, while he basically said, look, you got to come up with reasons to deal with the science or you got to drop it. Now, they may very well come up with reasons to still do it and address the science that cigars are not as bad as cigarettes as far and there and do not have the the um uh, attraction of youth that maybe cigarettes do um what what do you think about that so being the law guru that you are mm-hmm. it's obviously kind of a win for the industry but the way i kind of see it is like the fda is kind of playing the long game and, and i'll kind of get into that point in a moment but you know every fight that you obviously make whether it's state or federal level is a win for the FDA just because like it's a very small kind of tight knit industry. Mm-hmm. And if you compare, you know, us to like the craft beer industry, the, it's very different money. 
So the, these constant litigations is kind of like squeezing the industry dry mm -hmm. and it's indirectly, you know, causing like increases in prices and, you know, like adversity to these companies. And, and that's a win to the FDA. So this kind of, you know, five year, I think, regulatory purgatory or whatever that he, uh, yeah. he called it. Yep. To them, it's a win for them. And, you know, and honestly, this whole thing kind of, you know, to the first past briefs that we did, you know, with the, the deeming rule. Mm hmm. Um, and I don't have my notes in front of me, so I'm just going to go off the head about it. But You should remember them. You're I remember for the most part. Yeah. Um, so basically, when they proposed that new kind of regulatory statute, there yeah. was two options. There was option one and option two. Option one was that they would put premium cigars under a separate umbrella from other cigars and other forms of tobacco. Mm-hmm. And then that's where the whole definition of what is a premium cigar kind of came into play. Right. And then there was option two where there was, it, you would just kind of bulk it with all of the tobacco. And the FDA essentially concluded that if you put this kind of umbrella protecting premium cigars, it would kind of exempt them from any regulatory action. And they didn't want to do that. And then during that kind of, question period there's a proper name for that that i forget but you know you, you submit your questions and you get answers to it and that's usually the longest part of the process there was a lot of facts and like studies that were backing up the you know cigar association of america's kind of motion that you know premium cigars are much different than the other forms of tobacco and what the fda did is they basically ignored it and that's, if you read further into what actually happened in that hearing, that's what they're kind of getting backlash for, is mm -hmm. you, you can't just ignore statistics that were, in, you know, studies that were put before you and just, just go with option one. You, you have to kind of, you have to answer those statistics with something. And that's what they didn't do. And again, it's kind of a win for the FDA as well, because now we've had this kind of five-year fight to kind of say, hey, you can't do that, which costed us money. And now you're basically going to go back to step one of the deeming rule and just go with option one with premium cigars and that umbrella. And then from that there, they're going to sprout whatever they do from there. So it's I think there's still going to be some fight that needs to be had here, but it definitely is kind of a good thing that now at least we're past this point. And now the FDA is on the defensive, which we could very much capitalize on if we take the right action. But that's really kind mm -hmm. of the story of what happened these past five years. Now, while the I, I totally agree with you that the, the pro from the anti-cigar people out there is that they've gotten us to spend untold money over the last five years defending ourselves. Um the big win for us, as far as I'm concerned, is that the courts are agreeing that the sci there is scientific data that backs the fact that, A, children are not and minors are not going after premium cigars. So the argument that they are, you know, is, is gone. And then the, you know... It's like anything else. You know, if, if I ate three bars of Hershey's chocolate every day, it would be bad for my health and I would have health problems. You know, but a moderate use of cigars or moderate use of pipes, 
you know, the occasional chocolate bar is not going to have major long-term effects on you. And that's been a scientific thing that we've been trying to get people to understand for a long time. And so my thing here is, does to me, what this shows is that the, the FDA is looking stupid. Yeah. And is that a good win for us? Is that a good... Can we capitalize on the fact that, you know, they've got egg on their face now? They've been told formally by the courts, you've been arbitrary and capricious. That's, as, that's about as bad as you can say with, with trying to set this up. You guys are ignoring all of this stuff that you've been presented that counters your point and just saying that's not true. You can't just say that's not true. You have to show that it's not true. And they can't do it. Yep. So to me, seeing to me, this is an embarrassing thing for them. They were not able to just bleed their way through. And is there a way we can use that to our advantage? Yeah. So I'm not going to go into the, the those legal terms for what this is. But I'm not going to use any legal needs with anyone. But don't use the F word. Especially either. in like civil cases when something has been adjudicated i'm using the words but when, when <laughs> something has been settled and decided you know before a tribunal mm -hmm. in further arguments you can't counter that argument so if, if you know say they go in litigation next week and the fda asserts that there's no science that backs up this point that was just raised they're going to go back and say this was adjudicated there is that's a frivolous argument. You can't make that argument now. Mm -hmm. So like I said, like I think this kind of puts the FDA on a defensive now because now they actually have to kind of make an argument, you, you know? Yeah. And it goes back to, you know, like the last Pat's brief I think we did. And it's th their whole argument really is the whole, like the virtue-seeking youth. Like mm -hmm. you're going after youth and you're targeting minors. And again, unless they're being strategic, which I don't think they are, if you had anything on like the health risks of cigars, you'd be bringing that forward. You wouldn't be just kind of putting all your chips in the whole youth thing. So mm -hmm. I think the arguments that the FDA has, they kind of put on the table. And even though they're kind of not really putting a lot of light on it, you know, health risks or anything. Right. It tells me that they don't have that because right. they know they don't have that. So I think that we can be on the offensive now and kind of pressure them to kind of put something forward for that and if they can't do it now that's going to be where we start taking ground on them and we can kind of push back on them now you mm -hmm. know but obviously there's a lot of like the, this federal level argument i think is really important mm -hmm. but it doesn't necessarily solve the state level which is where like the taxing and everything kind of right, comes in right. so it's it's two separate battles mm -hmm. but these states can now use like the stereotypes from the federal level to help fuel their arguments. Right. So it, it is a big win for everyone if this kind of keeps going the way it's going. Mm -hmm. All right. So we're just about at the end of the first half of the show here. And we're just about through the second third of the cigar. What do you guys think about the uh, 724 cigars, cars and cycles club humidor? I think the, the draw is absolutely amazing because of that soft box press. It's creamy. Um, it's got, like, just the right amount of spice, just the right amount of pepper. Um, the retrohale is addictive. Uh, it's pairing very well with the tequila, Dan. Mm. Good choice. 
And, uh, yeah, I am so happy right now. This is just, like, you cannot be upset while having this pairing. You just couldn't. Nope, even if you're talking about the FDA, yeah. you kind of still have to smile. Yep. What do you think, Pat? So, yeah, to Dave's point, the construction was perfect. I didn't have to touch it up once. It's very open draws, a little bit of a, kind of a pack there, but mm -hmm. it's good. Like It's like you're sipping water out of a straw. Like it's yeah. ju mm -hmm. just enough resistance. You're getting just enough smoke out of it. Mm -hmm. And t it's a very kind of like linear profile in a good way because, mm -hmm. again, like when I had this the first time, it was very mild, and then it kind of went to that kind of like medium, medium plus. Mm -hmm. This one started off right at that medium, and it was just like that consistent profile up to where I'm at now. And it, it's it's really enjoyable. And, you know, especially you look at these kind of like limited releases Kurt's been doing, and mm -hmm. each one's been really good. And it just kind of, it's one of those things where it sucks that it's gone, <laughs> you know? Well, you know, one of the reasons I still wanted to do this, even though it's gone, is because... I wanted to put out there that Kurt still got that creative magic. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a one-off cigar that he, you know, was recently doing, and it's amazing. <laughs> you know, I think Kurt still has some projects that he wants to have coming out. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, I know there's a um, special PCA release that he's going to be talking about at the PCA trade show later this week. And, um, but I, one of the reasons I wanted to smoke this, even though it's not really available anymore, is just to really give a shout out to Kurt, Kurt for producing something fantastic. Phenomenal. And he's, he's still got it. And this is a, yeah. a whole new type of blend for him yeah. and a new format being the box yeah. pressed. Yeah. Don't stop <laughs> Kurt. Keep, keep so, <laughs> you know, he's the creative juices are still flowing and still producing fruit. And um, big shout out, Kurt, to you. This is a fantastic cigar, and I hope we see it again. And you have to commend in larger him too. Quantities. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you have to commend yeah. him too because we didn't really talk anything about the box. But mm. I don't know the artist that he used, but he, he put a lot of effort into just the branding for it as well. It's I mean, gorgeous. Like hopefully there's a T-shirt or something that comes out of this. There are there are T-shirts coming out with that nice. artist. It's a she, uh, the gal who did that is a she lives in Germany and. Uh, produced several different um uh variations of that artwork and uh incorporates the whole cigars cars and cycles thing and it, it's really really unique it's like the funny thing is is like for like i'll compare it to like the supreme leaf like that kind yeah. of color scheme mm -hmm. he has like that same orange and i never thought that would look good on any like merchandise for cigars and like th this it pops in the humidor and then like like that just logo that he made is awesome and it just like it yeah. catches your eye and it gets you kind of interested the cigars have that really nice kind of like silky smooth wrapper tight mm. seams and it just like the whole like project's very appealing and so i, I think yeah. he did a really really good job like on every bravo, front for it. bravo bravo mm -hmm. all right when we come back we're going to switch to a Pipe Tobacco here, and that is uh, Haunted Bookshop Cake, yep, a new is. format of an old tobacco from Cornell and Deal. So get your pipe out. We'll be right back. We are back, and we are now smoking this. Cornell and Deal's Haunted Bookshop Cake just came out a few weeks ago, <clears throat> and uh, it says uh, from the website there, 
Among Cornell and Deal's most popular and celebrated mixtures, Haunted Bookshop is a staple in pipe tobacco cellars around the globe, celebrated for its expert combination of fine Virginia's nutty burly and spicy perique. Available in convenient two-ounce tins and presented in a crumble cake format, Haunted Bookshop Cake elevates the original mixture by combining all of the benefits of the pressing process, including increased aging potential and an enhanced uh, an enhanced melding of flavors with the ease of preparation enjoyed from ribbon-cut blends. Pipe smokers can simply tear off a delicious chunk and load the bowl. No nonsense, no fuss, just terrific pipe tobacco in a new, friendly user-friendly composition uh of course cornell and deal is a manufacturer it's a burley blend with uh, uh burley's virginia perique there's no flavoring on haunted bookshop at all and of course it's a crumble cake that's why it's called the cake people and um you know one of my big questions here you know um you know kurt did a, a brand new thing you know with his box press and now uh cornell and deal is trying the same thing on a very popular blend of theirs and i'm wondering if <clears throat> now i don't know pat if you have smoked haunted bookshop in its original format no nope. you know before um haunted bookshop is a great in its in its original format which is kind of a uh, I'm going to say like a, a cut tobacco kind of format. It's not really a ribbon. It's, it's a, it, it's, it's like little chopped flakes of, of tobacco. And, but it's, it's very dry. There's no um, toppings or preservatives on any of the tobacco at all, which is unusual uh, in the pipe tobacco world. And one of the reasons I like, uh, haunted bookshop so much is it's available in the tin. It's also available in bulk, which is how we sell it at twins. And it's a great tobacco to learn how to pack a pipe with because it's dry, because it lights relatively easily. And if you're a cigar smoker and you're trying to get in to try, uh, smoking a pipe, it's a great tobacco to try because th there's a lot of similarities in flavors that you'll get with a haunted bookshop. A lot of woody notes, a little bit of earth, um, some spice that's there. It's almost like a, I kind of describe it as having a nice Habano cigar is the kind of the flavor profile of haunted bookshop. And um, I'm interested in knowing, and Dave, you'll be able to, to speak with me on this, I think, is whether or not this format changes how the cigar performs at all the pipe tobacco yeah yeah excuse me did i say cigar i did yeah. didn't I? it's okay it's the tequila talking <clears throat> i think i think it does i think it adds like even just packing the bowl the tobacco was a lot more soft more subtle um more supple um it was um it didn't feel it's coarse. Mm -hmm. Coarse as, cut. That's the, that's the word I was trying to use. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was just, kind of, I don't know, uh, fluffy even. And mm -hmm. 
Um, it's giving, I think it's a lot more, to me, it tastes a lot more smoother and creamier than it normally did. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you know, but you're still getting the earth and the nuts and, um, but it's definitely a lot more creamier and smoother to me. Pat, this is your first time with Haunted Bookshop. What do you, what do you think? So I didn't even know that it was a different release and I guess I can kind of contribute with a point that when I was packing my pipe before the show, I had like this feeling of like when I, you know, I was packing it, like how you know soft it was. I felt Simple. like, well, I felt like I was packing like dog bird's eye, mm. which is one of my favorites solely because of how easy it is to pack. Right. It, 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 it for it because like when when you would kind of like when you would kind of like when you would put your finger in to pack the ball down, mm -hmm. the tobacco would moored where your finger went so mm -hmm. it wasn't like rugged or anything it was right. just it was kind of like a tempurpedic mattress you know <laughs> when you were packing it well, but it was soft very soft. easy to pack and that so it's kind of funny that you kind of mentioned the difference between how it's presented because before i even knew that i was like mm -hmm. oh this is a really easy tobacco to pack mm -hmm. which i don't usually say that because it usually not easy to pack. No, it, it is. I, I and I, I agree. I think that the crumble cake does make it a little bit easier to manipulate into your bowl, however you like it. <clears throat> it does seem to to come off a little bit finer than uh, the original mixture does. Um, and I do think that there's, you know, uh, there's kind of a, a creaminess to the tobacco that is not there in the original mixture. Yeah, I'm getting like really creamy texture. Mm -hmm. It's like a creamy kind of earth. Mm -hmm. um, there's like a dog plum sweetness. There's a lot of allspice there. Mm -hmm. And then on the finish, that plum sweetness kind of like tr transitions to like kind of like a bitter sweetness. Mm -hmm. So like kind of like a, you know, a grape peel, I guess you could say. So it has kind of like that, like citrus kind of yeah, to I, it, but I it has that. that sweetness. Mm -hmm. And there's almost kind of a peppery caramel kind of thing yep. to me, mm. um, which is something I really love about a haunted bookshop. <clears throat> now, one of the things that, <clears throat> you know, and I know I'm kind of leaving you out of this pack because you haven't smoked it before, but Dave, yeah, knowing you can get haunted bookshop in bulk at like, and so you could get couple of ounces of this for seven bucks yeah almost half the price yeah. almost half the price of the tin you know it, do you think getting this special format is worth the extra cost i think it i think it really is because it's almost like plum pudding and plum pudding special reserve you know like i know there's an aging difference there and stuff but there there is a big enough difference where the format just makes it you know, all that more enjoyable mm -hmm. and brings other things forward. Um, you know, it's uh, it's kind of like almost, you know, it's it's as different as how tobaccos taste different in different size pipes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to find your favorite. But I think this is uh, definitely viable. Mm -hmm. Now, my next question is, we're, we're still doing the uh, Padron Barrel Select from the 724 Lounge. How do you think that uh, now the cigar pairing with this? Perfect. I thought as soon as I as soon as I read the uh, flavor profile of the of the Padron, I knew it was going to go fantastic. 
with uh, Club Humidor. And it did. How do you think it's going with this? Don't know yet. Hmm. <laughs> Oh, so good. I mean, those citrusy kind of honey notes, I think, complement the kind of nuttiness and caramel in the uh, tobacco. But I'm trying to decide whether or not I think it really is helping one or the other. So I think it's um, the tequila is enhancing the spice a little bit. Oh, it's yeah. not like Ooh, it, it makes it more yeah. like stimulating so before i had the tequila i would kind of get like that kind of allspice flavor on the palate but then mm -hmm. wow. like through the retro now it's more like robust and it's like you know like that whole like i say stimulating Ooh. spice wow yeah right and then yeah <laughs> wow my nose is on fire <laughs> it, it changed that kind of dark plum finish to more of like it, it makes it a lot more complex i'm still trying to like figure out what it is but it's like a kind of like a caramel or kind of toffee mm. kind of finish so it takes and then that bitterness is, is taking out of it which i didn't dislike the bitterness I'd bitter even, is not no, necessarily I'd say, a bad thing i'd even say like a graham cracker with like toffee you know because it's got some of that baking spice with it i can definitely pick up a kind of a toffee with a with the uh drink yeah with the tequila but it definitely it, increases uh the retro hail like a hundredfold mm. Especially right after you 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 smoke from a drink, which honestly, like I think the, this tequila, just from like my experience today with it, even on its own, like I think it even makes tequila. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, spicy. It's like I, this is like one of those things where I'd say it would probably go with like every cigar because I don't think it's too aggressive. It's really smooth. Mm. And I I can't think of like some kind of a cigar that I don't think would go well with it. Cause it doesn't. I think it would definitely. It's would not go aggressive well with any at all. Kurtz. Yeah, definitely any of Kurtz. But I, even like if I'm just thinking of the humidor, I, I really can't think of something that I don't think this would go with. Cause it has like that really like kind of sweet, approachable like honey note. It's it's not aggressive. Mm. Has a little bit of spice in the tongue, which I think would help a lot of like mild cigars. But it, it's not too full body to where it's going to take away from like kind of like a mild Connecticut smoke. Like the WK, for instance, I think would be really well of this just because like that kind of citrus mm -hmm. note from the WK oh, yeah. with that oh, honey totally. note from the tequila. <clears throat> I love doing this. That really does something special to the tequila. It makes it so much more fruitier to me. We get a lot more sweet fruitiness out of it. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Another thing we can talk about while we're smoking here, getting down the bowl, is uh, kind of how the, the PCA has been changing over the last few years. Am I going to go on a rant, Dan? <laughs> you can go on a rant. Um, you know, I remember, wow, you know, having been in and around the, the cigar industry for, for 20 something years, you know, the PCA, which is thankfully now only a three letter acronym. Um, it's been so many names over the years. Um, it used to be, you know, it, it, you know, of course it's, it's the biggest trade show in the industry. And I think the whole purpose of it originally was 
networking and meeting with people in your industry, learning about um, how to to uh, do better, you know, as as it, when it comes to selling, meeting some of the um, manufacturers, working together on different projects. Um, but I think, you know, a while ago, and when I say a while, I'm saying like 5, 10, 15 years ago, the one of the big reasons or pushes or draws to go to the PCA was to get um, very special, unique deals on prices. You could go and do a lot of your year's purchasing at the show because pricing was offered in such a way that it was it was a drive for you to get there. It was one of the ways they attracted people to get there. Um, as the years have gone on, especially over the last few years, um, that has been very obviously changing. And it seems to be morphing more into a... It, the, the drive to go isn't to get incredible deals on the stuff that you're buying anyway it's more to <coughs> be able to get special limited edition cigars that are being produced by people that are only available to people who go to the trade show so it's not so much about go and we'll get you saving 10 percent or 15 percent or 20 percent you know on x cigars now it's if you want x cigar you have to go to the pca and this is only going to be available to people who go to the show and there's the draw there's the draw to spend the money there's the draw to take the time off to to go to things and um you know it's interesting to see that change and i know that there has been um a lot of talk about whether or not there should be ever big huge deals on cigars and pipes and pipe tobacco and that you know there's a whole bunch of people going back and forth on that and i'm sure pat can he's itching to speak to that <laughs> so i mean i don't know how much what i say is going to be even okay to say on the podcast so i'll try to censor it a little bit but like my view on it and again like some people might hear what i say and say like he's so wrong i've only been involved for two years so I, I you know i haven't been there when you know to dan's dan was speaking to i would kind of transition over the past like five ten years but in my opinion especially like we just got done talking about this whole fda thing is going to this trade show i think should be a want not a need mm. and, I, and to what i've been hearing about it it seems like it's a need to go like when i hear about pca yeah. it's you know like there's meetings there there's you know product discussions there there's like it's it's an educational experience and it's right. a networking experience so whenever i heard about pca before i looked into it myself it it was you have to go to get deals this is when you do most of your ordering <laughs> there's shops that were cease ordering a month or, or two months before pca because they're waiting to put the order in until after pca so they can utilize the discounts which i think right. is complete crap but it's so to me the incentive shouldn't be you're going to get a deal on it it should be you should want to go to this and if there is a discount that's to help kind of get those smaller kind of 
representations in there so it's more feasible for them to go because then they'll make their money back you know down the road it shouldn't be like you have to go to get these discounts and then also like another critique that i'll do is (laughs) with this whole like limited cigar thing Mm -hmm. i I have numerous opinions of that but like the the big ones are the a lot of the pca cigars i've smoked i don't think are better than regular cigars that companies put out and i don't think there's anything unique about them yeah so that's what i was going to say is that i feel like it's a risk you know to take on a brand new cigar line that's never been out before and like i'm not gonna say you know you're gonna buy all this just because you got here that's a risk to a company and i'm not gonna like sit and list off cigars i can think of that went okay but like a lot of them are just not like for me like so for instance like the taa cigars that we get in Mm -hmm. they're unique and essentially what they've been doing of those is they take an already existing blend and typically they just make a unique size out of it yeah and i like that because now it's limited it's the same blend it's something that they know is good and it's a it's a unique size right pca is they're introducing new cigars that you can only get at this event so now why is that are they just making this for the event like if it was really that good of a cigar i feel like they wouldn't want to limit themselves to a limited thing you know what i mean and it it, it I, I just think that the incentive shouldn't be to go there because in order, especially for the smaller guys, like, you know, like twins, if well, we want to get twins is a smaller. Guy. Well, I'm, you know, Fuente's there, like just big companies there. Yeah, like okay. that, that's what I'm referring to. If you look at B&M's, we're not small, but if you look at the grand industry, like we're, we're a piece of that big industry. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, we have to go to obtain these cigars because like, people might come in like, do you have this cigar? No, we don't. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I think that shouldn't be the incentive to go is mm-hmm. basically, I'll cut myself before I say anything else, but the reason to go should be because you want to go, not because you need to go. Right. Yep. I, mean, I don't think that's really that healthy for the industry. You know, I mean, it's nothing worse than going somewhere and investing money and getting the cigar and it's a flop so how did how did that really help you when that was the draw to the pca you know what i mean that's a risk i feel like that's why those companies pulling out of pca going to this thing every year well i mean they're they're not pulling out because of that they're pulling out because it's so expensive to go to among other things and if there's one critique i have the p of the pca it's that i don't understand why it's a the very height of the most active time of the business in in the year and being held in the most expensive place to hold a conference during at the, the year. hottest time of the at year at the hottest time of the year <laughs> i mean last year it was 120 degrees outside you know when it was cool it was 96 or 97 you know, you, you go outside and you sweat and you steam and you're dry. It's just ridiculous. <clears throat> you know, I, you know, when it costs you tens of thousands of dollars to go, you know, are you, are you really putting something on that is benefiting the, the brick and mortars that you are trying to help, which is what the PCA is all about. It's trying to, um, get the industry brick and mortar stores together to learn to network to educate one another to share ideas and yeah to get you know take advantage of some specials or or deals or limited edition cigars 
but if it's going to cost you, you know, 20 grand to get out there, how, you know, when, you know, most stores don't have more than one or two people working, you know, so if a, if a store, if you, if your typical New England shop was going to go to the, they'd be shut off, you know, or you'd have one person working seven days a week, you know, in order for somebody to go. And I don't know, maybe some, maybe some people would like to work seven days a week and make a little extra money, but <laughs> most people are not like that. But I mean, that goes to my point too, is like, if it's such an unfeasible thing to do, like people that are going, like, you know, like you said it, like it used to be networking and everything. Now it's like this discount thing. Mm -hmm. If, if you're going there cause you're looking to get discounts and that's like one of your main incentives to go, you know, if I was one of the big companies that's kind of backing out, I'm like, well, you know, I'm going because I'm trying to teach and, you know, network and give product knowledge. But if these people aren't even here for that, why mm -hmm. my stuff sells anyway, why should I go? Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I think of like, uh, you know, hammer and sickle, um, God rest their soul, you yeah. know, they're no longer with us, but, uh, you know, a number of years ago, uh, they stopped <clears throat> going to the PCA, not because they were against it, not because they didn't support it, not because they, you know, wanted to be out of it, but they just didn't feel like it was the best use of their money. And while other stores or stores, while other brands were having to, you know, increase their operating costs and, and up, up charge their boxes another 3%, 5% in order to keep up with inflation and all that, Hammer and Sickle was able to stay the same because that money that they saved from going to the show they put back into their cigars and that gave them a little bit of an edge. Mm -hmm. You know, their prices were not going up, whereas other, everyone yep. else was, you know, and how much money could you, <clears throat> you know, wouldn't it be great to put that money back into the cigar or your business? Plus, I think it should be something like, kind of like the Super Bowl. Like, what's with Vegas? You know? Walk around the U.S., man. Like, that was you know, my other here, thing, too, is... And I don't know if there's again. I, I didn't make the argument because I don't know anything about it like, to that extent. But like, like there's always conventions in Vegas, and mm -hmm. it's not just the cigar industry. No, it's like, everybody. You know, does like their police associations go to Vegas. Like workers' association. A lot of people go to Vegas, and it's like, is this really a trip to kind of gain knowledge and network, or is it a like a fun thing to do. And I, I'm not mm -hmm. saying PCA is hey, a look, fun thing to do. Vegas. I'm, I'm saying the grand scheme you know? of like a lot of conventions I know of, like mm -hmm. they always choose Vegas and it's like, it's so expensive to do. Like, I don't understand why like Vegas is the place you have to go. Mm -hmm. You know, there might be a reason for it. Right. I, I don't know, but I, I someone look outside looking in like, well, it's not the weather. Well, I would think you could do this. <laughs> I, I would think you could do the same thing with, with Florida, which you know, would have the advantage too of not having a cigar tax. There's sales tax down there, but right. you can't have everything unless you're in New Hampshire, in which case we have everything. Yeah, or even Pennsylvania for that matter. You know, Pen Pennsylvania does. Yeah, or you know, or Connecticut. You know, have it in the places where the freaking tobacco's grown, people. How about that? It could be a convenience thing too, because a lot of those. I don't think having it where the tobacco's grown is. Well, no, but I mean, in the same in the same state. You know what I mean? Like it. It's like it. It just. Because the only thing I could I think know. of is a lot of those convention halls have the hotel in the hall. So mm -hmm. 
that's kind of a unique thing to Vegas too. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why they do it there because it's all in one building, which right. it makes sense. But yeah, like the, the cost of it is insane. But you could, you know, a big cities like uh, Atlanta, Orlando, Miami, you know, even Tampa. Um, I'm sure there are places in Texas where you could do that too. That would be frankly a little bit easier to get to a little bit cheaper to, to be at, you know, but yeah, again, you know, what do we know? We're just tobacconists here talking yeah. about stuff, but it, it does seem to be, a um, you know, an awful lot of work and money to, to get out there. And, um, I don't know anyone that's wicked excited about it being in Vegas every year. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't taught, I've been talking to reps, you know, for years and, you know, whenever you're a new rep and you go out to those events, they're all excited because they get to meet everybody. And again, that's the big reason to go is to build relationships, put faces to names that you've been talking to on the phone, you know, get some ideas about what you could do at your shop that, you know, you're maybe not going to get unless you go and meet other people from other places who are all doing this, the, the same kind of business, um, you know. But after that, you know, they come back and they say, well, you know, it was great, but wow, Vegas was hot. Vegas was expensive. Vegas was, you know, I don't know. Are we turning into a bunch of little bitches? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's because none of us have been to Vegas <laughs> with the PCA. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we're just sour about it. But I don't know. I, for one, most definitely would not want to be in 120 degree heat, you know, in the desert. You know, it's, it's just, that just sounds asinine, you know. And it's still expensive. Like, even if even if they get a discount and the price is lower because it's, 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 vague, it's, it's the desert in summer, you know, bad idea. So maybe they're getting better rates, but still it's Vegas, so it... Mm-hmm. Their better rates are like ten times more than everywhere else. You know what I mean? So it just doesn't make sense why to even keep it there. You know. Another thing we've talked about before is why don't they section it off to like parts of the country? You know, like PCA for the or at least move know, it around. Or at least move it around. You know, like why can't they have like the Northeast PCA or the South of this or this? And then it's like a convention. I mean, we're all you know. After COVID, we proved that we could be productive and not be in a place. We can be virtual. Mm-hmm. So why isn't there? That's an interesting. Know. It's an interesting thought, and certainly merit to discussing that too. Um, you want to do a little bit of a Pastor Padron cigar confessions in you know, a pipe session here, <clears throat> and uh, the confession today is uh, especially. You know, at the time of year we're in, we were both just at 4th of July. You know, maybe we all had people over. Maybe we went places. I don't know. But, um, you know, whenever I go to a, you know, party or thing or a lounge, I always bring extra cigars and extra pipe tobacco with me because inevitably if I sit and start smoking a cigar, um, people are going to say, Oh, do you have another one? And cigar people, I think, you know, are some of the most generous people I know. They love sharing what they have. And so I always go around and 
have cigars that I can hand out to people. You can't bring cigars for every freaking person that there is, but you can bring a few and you shouldn't, you know, I'm not asking you to break the bank or anything, but if you're going someplace and you intend to enjoy a cigar, have a couple extra cigars with you that you can give to a friend or somebody there because cigars are really such a great social thing. And Mm -hmm. like you alluded to earlier, Dave, they are the great equalizer and, there's nothing, you know, it's like man money. Cigars are like man money, right? <clears throat> you give a cigar to somebody, it's, it's you know, just a really cool thing. The same with, you know, pipe tobacco. If I'm there having a pipe, oh, you got, you, you got some of that stuff with you? Yeah, I do. Here, you know, try this, try this, try this. Obviously, you don't carry around pipes for other people. That's a little bit weird on the weird side. Yeah. But, you know, I'm always generous with that. And so, you know, that leads into the question of, you know, we just had the big 4th of July weekend. Did you smoke anything special on mm-hmm. the 4th of July uh, weekend? And did you go someplace where you, you know, shared cigars with other people? Or what's your, what's your, um, uh, what's your own kind of idea about how you go about doing that? Well, we, and is there such a thing as maybe too much? And here's another question. You know, what do you do with the mooches? Mm-hmm. who you know it's it's one thing to you know if people see me they expect me to have a cigar or an extra cigar but then there's the person who never ends up showing up with cigars because they know i'm going to show up with cigars and how do you deal with that without you know how do you deal with mooches you got experience with that pat mooches yeah because all you smoke is the good stuff <laughs> i um <laughs> So I I worked on the fourth until six, but um, the the day before when I worked over the weekend, I bought like a handful of the Americans, JC Newmans, mm-hmm. and I gave one to um, Bobby, and I think Shell got one. Mm-hmm. I had another one, and then that next day when I was working, you know, some of the regulars that I know and that aren't mooches, I gave them <laughs> one, and then I had some friends over that night and then i just brought one of my like you know coolers downstairs just open it up and i was giving a couple of cigars out so yeah I, I like to give stuff when i'm doing anything like from smoking like a cigar off my dad or just like my, my brother i love to like give something that i know they're gonna like mm-hmm. it's kind of like a test of like i think i know what they like and it's just giving them something that they haven't had before that they end up liking and that, that's kind of why i do it is it like a test of friendship to you like if you don't like the cigar we can't be friends well, no, it's like it's just it's learning like someone's palate, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's fun because like you know, give them something, you know, what do you think of it? Oh, it was all right. Okay, well, try this one. Oh, this is a little bit better. And you just kind of find like that kind of perfect cigar, and then they usually turn into opus smokers at the end of it. So, you got anything sweet like a blonde? But you know, so I enjoy doing that. And when it comes to like mooches, like I feel like I'm pretty good about not giving a cigar to somebody that I think is trying to get one, you know, because, mm-hmm. like, you see signs of mooching, like, you know, give somebody something that someone's like, hey, how's it going? And they kind of talk to you, and mm-hmm. you can kind of tell. So I don't really have much mooching problems, mm-hmm. but I also hang out with mainly cigar smokers, so I don't run right. into, like, scenarios often where if I'm having a cigar someone else doesn't actually have one, I'm usually just kind of, like, supplementing one that they have of something I want them to smoke. Mm-hmm. Well, I took my kids out for the 4th. We went to see the fireworks. Then when we get home, we do our annual watching of Independence Day. And (laughs) I uh, 
um we love watching that movie and it's it's funny i I love it's a lot of fun but uh i i smoked a placencia fuerte uh six two maduro and uh i brought the kids home sweet janes because (laughs) <laughs> they're at the beginning stages. Thomas actually appreciates good cigars. Well, I shouldn't say good cigars or yeah, unflavored don't make cigars. Don't feel bad. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, but we all smoked cigars and watched movie, and that was really cool. You know, it was nice. We were all doing something together and sharing. What did you smoke, Pat? I smoked, obviously, the American Opus and an Aho. Uh, Liga 10. That's a, one good cigar. A Steve Saka 52. A Steve Saka 52. What's that? That's a Liga uh, 52. Oh, Liga 52. Steve, uh, oh, that he, that he did. Yeah. In his tenure there, yeah. Must have been nice, man. I've never had one of those. No, it's back to the mooching conversation. <laughs> wow. <laughs> See that? I'm joking. Mm-hmm. Not really. You still owe me a cigar, so whatever. Which I never bring up until now. <laughs> because it's proper, it's proper, it's a proper time for the shade to be thrown. Yeah, I have a charter oak in my thing. I have a charter oak, but it'll be like it's an opus, Dave. Like it's unbanded. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now I had a uh, manager at a previous shop who um, had two humidors in his house and one was this old kind of cruddy looking um (laughs) humidor where he kept everything he really liked in and then he had this really really nice humidor that he kept a lot of unbanded cubans (laughs) and you know, he when he had guests come over, you know, hey, do you have any cigars? Sure, take what take whatever you want. They would always go to the really nice humidor, pull out one of those unbanded things and smoke it and say, man, this is the best thing I've ever had in my life. And it was, you know, he, he, he you know, it made him look really generous. But, you know, it, he was also a little bit dark, too, you know, just. You know, it's fooling with people, but I mean, that's that's how he dealt with it. Yep. You know, he he basically let them choose, but he put the cigars he wanted them to have in a box he knew that they would pick from. Do you do that, Pat? Do you have all of your opus and like a, that looks like a like yes a, to me, like a, <laughs> a little cooler, and then you have this really nice, you know, like purple rain humidor that you put your you know nick sticks in for people. No, I mean, I, 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 everything's like separated. Like, you know, I have like my Cubans and Nicaraguans in the same one. I have Dominicans in one. I have Opus in a separate one. But, you know, like if I have like a Charter Oak, it'll be next to like a, you know, aged hat. So I, I, I don't, unless it's someone I know doesn't smoke cigars, I usually give them something good. But if it's mm-hmm. someone that I know is kind of like a novice, I guess, I won't give them something good just because it's not that. Well, what's good? I mean, you mean expensive. You wouldn't hand somebody a lousy cigar. Oh yeah, no. So I mean, like, if, if I, I don't you think know, he has a lousy cigar. See, that's that's what we're getting at. It just depends, you know. Like, if somebody I think wouldn't like an Opus, I'm not going to give them an Opus. I might give yeah. them like another Fuente that I enjoy, but it's not, you know. I, I just I don't really. 
Like, if someone comes over and they want to have a cigar, I don't take, like, a cheap option out of it. Like, I just, you know, whatever I think they're going to like, whether it's an Do you have, like, a, a bundle or... of factory seconds just in case? No, I don't have anything like that. <laughs> I, um, I, I had a, a, a cigar Those called... Those are the... made with Fuente tobacco, too. There, there was um, a, a cigar called the Cargo that my dad really enjoyed that I kept in the humidor for him for a little bit, and he, he loved it, so, mm -hmm. you know... Oh, that's good. Um, you all, you all watched me fill my pipe a second time. I, I put it another half bowl. Um, I'm really enjoying this. Um, I'm getting a lot of those great flavors that we talked about at the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, you know, sweet wood, roasted nuts, peppery caramel. I'm, and but I, I really do think that this particular format adds a creaminess to that. That. Yep the um, original doesn't have and so i do i do think that there's an advantage to getting the uh, cake <laughs> if you have not tried it yeah like they could have called it special reserve and it would have totally worked i would have been like okay mm -hmm. you know now you obviously you know you smoke the whole thing down but you've gone back to the cigar is that just a little shine on to me or is that because you enjoyed the cigar so much more no i actually really like the pipe tobacco just since these are gone i don't want to waste the cigar but oh i won't be wasting mine. i won't be wasting my yeah i'm mm -hmm. driving smoking that on the way home. but um it's uh <clears throat> so if you if you make a cake is it aged a little bit longer it, it is aged a little bit longer and it's it's put under a lot of pressure like tons do you know how long it would be aged i'd say uh, at least a month or a couple. It, well it'd be pressed for um you know a week two weeks and then um, it's set in the tin, um, you know, a little bit before it's released. Like these were made, th these were tinned in April and were just released. Yeah. So I, I think with the pipe tobacco, you know, I haven't had the, the bulk version mm -hmm. of it, but the fact that it's a cake, I think that it kind of is like a reserve. Cause I, was that the Mississippi rivers we were smoking that one day where it's mm -hmm. like, one tin was new and then one's like what is it six months and then the other one's a year or something and then we saw like the difference between that kind of short span of time how it changed the blind yeah, yeah. 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 same thing with plum pudding too yeah so i think that the fact that this is cake that probably like that creaminess is probably just because like there, there is some age on it and there there's a lot of advantage to aging it like this yeah and that's why wall. i think the extra like what yeah. is it seven eight bucks for the yeah. tin i think it's worth it just for the same reason to dave's point why like you know, plum pudding and plum pudding reserves worth the price right. difference. Yep. Yep. Um, let me do a little would you rather question before we get to the end here. Would you rather uh, set off your own fireworks on the 4th of July or go to a show? Go to a show? I don't want to be that dude. <laughs> <laughs> I've got By stories. that dude, you mean like a hick? Just... At, at, at Come night, on over. We're gonna if, light some M80s at the end of the parking lot here. If, if you go and you set a firework, you you do it knowing that there's at least like 10, 20 people that's just like you know f this guy in their houses and their dogs are barking. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to be that guy. I gotta tell you, my my dogs get so nervous when they hear the fireworks go off, mm -hmm. and so like last night they were just like flipping out. It was it was like. I, you know, 
honey, do we have any trazodone we could give to Echo here? You know, <laughs> he really needs to calm down or something. No, no, we don't have any trazodone. No, that's too bad. How about we give him some bourbon? Mm. Something, something to put that dog to sleep. Good grief. Dave, what about you? Um, I would, I would, knowing my habits, I would probably definitely rather go to a, a show. I would, I'd probably get into trouble. So what you're really saying is you'd really like to just put on your own show, mm. but you're trying to be. But you don't have to buy a new house. <laughs> yeah, or someone else. <laughs> That's more or less where I'm going with that. <clears throat> Yeah, I've uh, I've uh, you know, I don't have the best of luck, so I just uh, play it safe. Mm. I I'd rather go to a show, I suppose. I mean, they're always so much more impressive. Fireworks are really impressive when they're big. These little things and little sparklers and things that just go boom. To me, that's just like oh, look at that! That was loud, right? I, I want to see something that like takes your breath away and that's mm. that's that's uh going to see a show for me i'd rather i'd rather do that do that you get said, to see anything from your house like near the river or anything? no no and you know but i'll tell you you know at the same time we didn't go to see fireworks this year and i didn't miss it at all yeah we didn't get to go last year and i don't think we got to go the year before that because covid mm -hmm. um but uh this year the, the when we went when I went with the kids, the kids were like, it was so good to see, to see a fireworks show. And it wasn't even that good. Like it wasn't as good as it had been before in Derry. You know, mm -hmm. it was just like an average small town fireworks show this year it was kind of, you know, whatever, but we had such a good time that it didn't matter. That's good. That's good. All right. So what's our final verdict here on the, uh, on bookshop cake. And maybe with the pairing here. I enjoyed it. It had like a lot of complexity and it's one of those like, you know, pipe tobaccos that has enough topping to it that mm -hmm. you're kind of shocked because it does have like a really kind of like prominent sweetness to it. Right. But it's it's obviously natural, so it doesn't stick out. It just it's very well blended in with everything else. And, you know, to your point if it's kind of like a nice habano. I think that's really true because it had that same kind of creaminess to it, that kind of like all spice note to it. And then like, with the tequila, like that kind of like toffee kind mm. of caramel finish was yeah. like, really unique. So I think like both the pipe tobacco and the tequila went very well. And then the pipe tobacco on its own was also very well. So, Dave? I thought the uh, the pairing was absolutely excellent. Um, if I had to choose a pairing, though, I would definitely go with the cigar pairing. Mm -hmm. I was blown away with that. But I think the, the pipe pairing was really good, though. I thought the pipe pairing was really good. I thought the cigar pairing was excellent. It was definitely a level above. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, next week, we're going to have Talia with us on the show. And Shell will be back, so it'll be a full crew here next week. I don't know what we're drinking, but she's bringing something. Yeah, yeah. Next week. And... Um, uh, we're going to be smoking uh, another new release from 724, the Five and Dime, oh, yeah. which is a very unique cigar in that it is a, it's a barber pole, like uh, it's a Hustler Five and Dime, 
Hustler is a Barbara Pold uh, brand of 724. But this, what makes this kind of unique is that it's two Maduro wrappers. So you have a dark brown and almost a really black wrapper on the cigar. It's very subtle and it's very unique. And uh, we've been waiting for these to come out for a long time. They recently hit uh, about a month ago. And um, we're really excited to try that cigar. We're also next week going to have a new cigar again from Cornell and Deal. Pipe Usually tobacco. I like to, yeah, pipe tobacco from Cornell and Deal. Um, normally I would try to um, separate doing Cornell and Deal's back to back, but they have a 30 year release mm. called Anthology to celebrate their 30th year in the business. And it's a, a Virginia Perique with Ooh. very, very high-end Virginias and a very special kind of Perique in there. And I'm very anxious to try that and will be one of the first people to smoke it Sweet. on the show. I'm very excited about that. So we'll be doing that next week. That'll be available uh, at Twins um, very, very shortly. It is on the way to our store, even as I speak. Nice. That is our show for tonight. Thank, Thank you. you very much for being mm -hmm. with us. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Same time, same channel, everybody. You've been listening to Not Just Blowing Smoke, the podcast that brings the wealth of knowledge, expertise, and fun of Twins Smoke Shop, New England's premier smoke shop, right to you, wherever you are, whenever you want it. You can find us at our website, notjustblowingsmoke.com, and keep in touch with us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at Not Just Blowing Smoke. Thanks for listening, everybody. And that is Not Just Blowing Smoke. Rolling with the top down, smoking on a fancy guard.